This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And on today's show, there's some big football news on September 16th. We waited to do this show a little bit later than normal because the Big Ten was going to announce potentially you know, Tuesday night, but that ended up bleeding over into Wednesday morning of the decision to return to play, and they are now going to play college football starting in late October. And I think the first question, Eric, for me, probably for you, and probably for everyone else out there that's an Oregon Duck football fan or a Pac-12 football fan uh, becomes – when does the Pac-12 jump in? When does the Pac-12 come out and say that they're going to play again? When does the Pac-12 move up their start date, which was current, which is currently set for no earlier than January 1 of 2021? When does the Pac-12 now play football? Because we've seen the Pac-12 reach an agreement with a, a, a testing company to provide daily testing and an accurate daily testing that's John Wilner of the Mercury News has reported is even better than what the NFL standards have. Um, and when is the Pac-12 going to be the, the latest school, uh, conference, excuse me, to jump in here and say that they are going to play? And, Eric, it, it's not as simple as just flipping a switch and here we go. No, of course not. Um, there's a lot that needs to go into this, but I think you have to be encouraged because, for me, when, when this was – when the, the Pac-12 made this decision – it made this decision sort of in, you know, in accordance with the Big Ten, right? And so there was kind of these two conferences, the strength and unity of the two. Well, the Big Ten's changed course. And so that's kind of the first thing to tumble. And that's, we should say, this, actually, really the first thing to tumble was the approved testing, which you just talked about, Matt, which is really significant. That really reaches to the health component here, which was, at least through the messaging the Pacto put out, was the issue all along. It was ensuring player safety. We now have a way to be safer than the NFL, which we should say, I believe has not had a single positive test since, uh, well, at least in a couple of weeks here, I think two or three weeks since the season, uh, before the season started. So there's, if they have better testing methodology than the NFL, that's certainly encouraging. And then the other component here was they needed to get the player support. And uh, you started to see that on social media, uh, especially on Tuesday, you know, and, and Oregon players joining as well, Micah Pittman, Tyler Shuck, others jumping in and communicating a desire to play. So everything is moving in that direction, Matt. I just want to provide a little bit of that context before we jump into the timeline for when they can actually start playing is that I think for the first time in a while, there is kind of all the dominoes are starting to align and you can now really start having these conversations because I think you had concerns before about, okay, the Pac-12 is not going to jump in this at the bit unless the Big Ten is. Well, the Big Ten has jumped in. Pac-12 is not going to do this unless they have better science to somehow test and prevent things. They now have that. The Pac-12 is not going to jump in until they have the players behind it. And the players are now communicating, at least part of it, uh, communicating that they really want to play. So I think we can start getting optimistic here. But you're right, Matt. This is not a deal where you can just say, hey, the season's back on. Let's see if we can schedule games for uh, how does it sound to play this weekend? You know, like there's a lot of things that need to come together in order for this to come to play. And, and we, you know, there's been 
a number of people talking about the timeline required to actually get a season underway. Um, and I know you've got some of the details there as well, Matt, but this is not something where you can just start practicing and they'll start playing in a week. You need a traditional fall camp. You need some time to get your uh, physical training back underway. Most of the football programs in the conference are currently not on campus. And there's a couple other, there's a big thing as well that we sh I should ask you, Matt, uh, the governor needs to do something here in both the state of Oregon and California. And that's pretty big too. Yeah. And that, that right there is the first big uh, step in the direction where we need movement before the Pac-12 can, can do it. Because look, the Pac-12 can come out and say, we want to play, we're going to play, we're prepared to play, we've got all the health uh, concerns kind of figured out, and we've, we have a comfortable game plan of how we're going to go about doing this. And all of a sudden, they get told to shut down because the state of Oregon and the state of California, which holds half of the Pac-12's teams, currently are in a medical situation in which athletic competitions and athletic practices in that are going to be required for Oregon football, Oregon State football, USC, UCLA, Cal, and Stanford to practice and to play are not allowed. They're not allowed. So even if the league is ready to go, they need to get approval first from the California governor for the four California schools, and they need to get the Oregon governor for the, or the two Oregon schools to be able to be on the same playing field, if you will, as the other half of the Pac-12. Now, it should be noted, John Wilner of the Mercury News, he has done some really good reporting that Oregon and Oregon State and the rest of the Pac-12's testing that they have recently announced in the last two weeks or so is actually better than what the NFL is currently using right now. And California's governor has provided waivers for the 49ers, for the Chargers, and for the Rams in the National Football League to get waivers and to be able to get past that restriction and to be able to play. So in theory, you would think the Pac-12's testing product is more, is more advanced, is better than what the NFL is using, and the NFL's teams have been approved. You would think at least in California, that the governor there would approve of that and that you would also see the Oregon governor do the same. Uh, here in Oregon, uh, Kate Brown has said she won't keep the Beavers and the Ducks at a competitive disadvantage if everything is on the table and, health, and, and the right health requirements have been met. She won't keep those two schools out of a competitive imbalance. Now we're going to see if, she's, if that was true or not because in theory, the Pac-12 has figured out a, a, a testing mechanism and a game plan to at least get there. But that's just one of a bunch of steps that have to be processed and get crossed off to be able to get here because they, even if the governors come out and, and today and say, you know, in the afternoon, oh, we're going to now approve these waivers. Here you go. Go ahead and play. There are still a bunch of other checkpoints that they have to get through. And I'm going to throw in one more thing uh, that, that people haven't quite maybe realized yet we're still dealing with a natural disaster on the West coast. <laughs> the entire West coast is on fire right now. And so you're asking state officials, government officials to drop what they're doing and trying to, to stop these forest fires and to provide safety and to provide help and to provide services to people who have, who have lost their homes to towns that have burned down to people who have, have, have family members who have died because of forest fires to, 
you know, to stop all the work of, of gathering resources and allocating those resources across the state and working on a national level of asking other states for help from firefighters. Even Canada and Mexico have helped provide firefighters to the state of Oregon. It's, it's that bad here. You're asking the, those, you know, the government officials to put those things on pause for a minute. And even if it's half a day, a quarter of a day, to put that stuff on pause to debate and work through and figure out and get yourself familiarized with what's going on in the Pac-12 now and wanting them to play college football again. So there's a lot going on in the state, and I don't want to do politics and, and sports, but unfortunately right now we kind of have to map out. <laughs> point being point, there's a lot of ish going on right now in the state of Oregon, and there's only so much a, any person could, can really allocate to. So it's not literally just flipping a switch, but let's just assume here for a second that the conference gets approval from California's governor, from the Oregon governor, and we get an opportunity to play. It's, it's not going to be in a couple weeks when they start playing because players, they have to return to campus. The, the, the difference between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten is the Pac-12 gave players the option to, to return uh, to go home if they wanted to. A lot of Big Ten schools continue to practice, you know, within the guidelines that the NCAA set forth for the schools that weren't playing – and so they're already kind of ahead of the curve here a little bit. And unfortunately for the Pac-12, it's kind of like you do the right thing and it burns you. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I, I think what they've done is the right choice. And I've been in support, as I've said in this podcast, all along. And, and for me, you know, just if, I, it, just if I'm analyzing it, I think the fact that you have more advanced testing makes me feel a lot better about this. I just think I didn't want to run into a situation here where there's potential loss of life uh, at risk of players coming down with a, a virus that potentially uh, has long-term health effect impacts that we aren't aware of. Anyway, that, that, that's why I feel a little bit better. And, and, and I agree, you know, this is going to take some time in terms of figuring out what makes the most sense. I don't think you can expect the Pac-12 certainly to follow suit with what the Big Ten is talking about with their timeline. Um, I don't think the Pac-12 is in a position to do something like that. So I think at best case, you're looking at sometime in maybe November because Again, you've got to get every, you've got to get all the ducks in a row here, so to speak. That includes some government impacts here, and I, I I'm optimistic that both uh, Kate Brown and Gavin Newsom will work with the Pac-12 here and make sure these schools are, are able to like he, like like Kate Brown has said before, not at a competitive disadvantage. But once that even does take place, you're looking at you need a couple of weeks here just to get the players in shape. Um, you know, Cristobal I think was quoted on a, on a John Canzano interview recently just talking about how you know these players have been away they're probably 80 percent where they need to be but they need some time to get back into shape and then the next part is you need to spend about the next month or so uh getting everybody ready for an actual season i mean you got to spend two weeks basically getting everyone in shape preparing to actually practice is what Cristobal said and this was an interview uh that took place earlier this month uh you know you spend two weeks basically getting everyone in shape back to practice and then four weeks getting everybody into practice shape to prepare them for a game so that's about the timeline you're looking for is about six weeks maybe you can get creative and cut a week off there um you know and and, and that's maybe something you look at doing here but I, this isn't a thing where you're just going to be able to snap your fingers and the season starts there's a lot that needs to take place even when you make an agreement to get everybody back on campus and and start looking at uh, actually getting this thing started. It's not going to be something that is instantaneous. What's the what 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 do you really want to get a product on the football field as a player, as a coach, as an administrator, as a, as a booster, or as a fan? That let's let's just assume. Okay, we want to make the, we want to make it so that we're playoff eligible and we need to be ready by late October. We're gonna we're gonna cut the six week 
kind of timeline of training that that Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, has come out and said, and that the Pac, you know, Pac-12 coaches have said they need about five to six weeks, really, to realistically, to put forth a really good team. But let's let's cut that down to three and a half, maybe maybe four weeks, so we can make that late October timeline to be playoff ready. Is it worth it to go all through those hoopla's and then see half your, you know, to see a good chunk of your team get hurt or a good chunk of your team uh, play sloppy football because they didn't have enough time to to gear up properly to play football? Um, look, I, you, I'm going to speak for you. I'm going to speak for myself. <laughs> we, we want football. We need football. Uh, you know, our jobs are built around primarily football being played. It's our. It's the biggest. Uh, money maker in our business in terms of the, what readers want to consume is football. So we we personally are invested in, into football being played. We need football to be played to be properly doing our jobs. And yet at the same time, people need to understand like you need you need time to get this up and running. You need time. The, the graphs it's it's. This whole podcast, what I wanted to do was really lay out a timeline, a realistic idea, and set expectations of when the Pac-12 could be getting football back unless they make drastic concessions to certain timelines that they've set, set up you know, themselves previously. Uh, maybe the Pac-12 is okay with, instead of needing six weeks, they go to four weeks. And, and maybe the, the, the coaches and the players and the administrators are okay with the extra injuries that are going to come from that, the you know sloppier play of football that's going to come from that. Uh, maybe they're okay with that. But previously what we know and, and the timelines that we have seen, it's not going to be a flip of the switch and it's going to be extremely difficult. I don't know if it's impossible, but it's going to be extremely difficult for the conference to hit the same kind of deadline as the Big Ten and be able to play in late October to be playoff eligible. I just think you can almost cross it out. Uh, you know, I mean, just look at the calendar here now. And if we are just, you know, best case optimistic of, let's say they flip the switch here and this weekend becomes when, or, you know, Oregon's players are supposed to be coming back on the 20th. That's this weekend. Let's say you take from this weekend, you just add six weeks to that. That puts you at November 1st, um, which is, which is of course past what we're talking about here. So if you're not going to hit that deadline, to me, it's almost like, why, why rush this? And, and that's why I would probably take an even slightly slower approach to it and say, if we're not going to hit November 1st or the, the week prior to that, late October, let's, let's, let's start in, you know, and, and you, there could be something to be said of also, of like if you're running a, 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 a league that is going to run a little bit later than everybody else, obviously you want to be in the, in the national championship picture. But if that's not possible, like there's something to be said if you start the second or third week in November and your season bleeds into the, the, you know, into the 2021 calendar year, you could be the only, you know, you could be the only football being played at that time. And I'm not saying, I mean, I don't, that's not, maybe not the way you want to differentiate yourself, but given the circumstances, there are worse ways for this to take place rather than the, the possibility of the back 12, like we're saying, rushing back, trying to do this in like four weeks or something. Um, and they, they end up qualifying for it, but maybe you just see a bunch of players, get injured you're, the quality of play might be really bad um you know you look at a, a team like oregon uh we're seeing some of the opt-outs we can talk about in a second what we think could happen there but like what is this team actually going to look like if they only have four weeks to really prepare for a season um is it going to be the I, I know those listening are going to say we just want to watch football and i get that but you might be disappointed in sort of what you're watching 
to a certain degree. I mean, I think even those that have been watching the current college games, I've done a little bit of that, watching the NFL, I, I think the quality of play in those has been a little bit lesser than I would have expected in the past. And you think at the NFL, no preseason to prepare. These first games, if the Pac-12 does start too quickly, I could see those being really ugly, ugly games. Now, people are going to say, well, what's Larry Scott doing? Why haven't we heard from Larry Scott? Larry Scott, once again, falling you know, behind and, and keeping this conference from being where it should be. Look, Larry Scott's pl- doing what he can do right now, and that's applying some kind of public pressure on the, the state of California governor and the Oregon governor to check off the first and most important box is allowing the Pac-12 schools to begin practice and playing when they deem so. As of this morning, on September 16th, Larry Scott issued a statement to multiple media members, and it says, at this time, our universities in California and Oregon do not have approval from state or local public health officials to start contact practice. We are hopeful that our new daily testing capability can help satisfy public health health official approvals in California and Oregon to begin contact practice and competition. We are equally closely monitoring the devastating fires and air quality in our region at this time. We are eager for our student-athletes to have the opportunity to play this season as soon as it can be done safely and in accordance with public health authority approvals. So the first part of that is him basically coming out and saying, look, the ball's in the the, the state of California and the Oregon governor's hands. Uh, We've we've created a a step that we believe is is there. Uh, I'm throwing some words in there for myself, but – Basically, the, the message and the tone is is we feel like we're ready to, to, to at least begin practicing it once it's healthy enough, air quality wise, to do so. But it's up to the pack. It's up to the, the governor's decision. So Larry Scott's doing what he can do. He 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 can't come out and do anything else than that. I'm sure he's back channeling, talking to to you know the govern government's officials up there in, in uh, California and here in Oregon. Uh, we know the you know, coaches and. and administrators you know they've they've improved their stance and uh you know it feels like there's a a safe you know way to to practice now because of the testing it's a big step in the right direction but there also needs to be time to set those you know those testing things up um items up because we know the pac-12 was expected to receive their testing kits in late september it's about mid-september right now so about a week and a half two weeks in theory, the, the conference across the, the – the, 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 every school across the conference should have their kits and their, the supplies that are needed to test every athlete every single day. But it just doesn't become, you know, one day that they arrive and the next day they, they start testing. The schools need to be trained on how to implement the testing. They need to be trained on how to read the testing. They need to be trained on where they're going to be doing the testing. Uh, and then they need to set up the infrastructure of that, where the testing testing you know going to be held, where where will the, the samples be housed, where will the samples uh, be processed within each school, uh, where you know how what's the timeline of of quarantine, how are you going to do all of that, where all the logistics and the infrastructure of testing needs to be set up, and now there's going to be some times you know there's going to be some things that you can do at the same time for one. You know, Pac-12 players are going to report, or at least Oregon players are going to report back to school this weekend, uh, and then they have to go through a one-week boarding process, uh, and that's quarantine. And during that time, in, in theory, you would hope that you can get your training, your, your training staff trained 
to be able to you know set up their, their labs and be able to you know be capable of providing testing once the athletes come out of quarantine for the week. Uh, but I don't know. I'm the, I'm not a medical scientist. I I don't know. I'm not familiar with any of this. And I know you aren't either in terms of hands-on approach of these uh, testing kits. What's required and what how much curriculum is needed to be read or 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 or, or learned. And um, there's going to be a process though. And it's going to take some time. And I think one of the biggest confusions that a lot of Duck fans and a lot of people in the Pac-12 have is, okay, so how is the Big Ten able to get through this quicker than the Pac-12? And it's because of a decision that both conferences made when they canceled their seasons. Yeah, you know, and really, just before I, I said a six weeks there, it kind of has to be seven weeks if you're talking about six weeks because you're adding one week there for the onboarding process, which Matt just mentioned there where the players have to self-isolate. That's a really important distinction right there, too. So, yeah, you're talking about maybe seven weeks. So, really, realistically, you're talking about maybe November 8th. Good point there, Matt, in terms of that. And Yeah, no, the, 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 the Pac-12 has allowed their players to take off um, and, and to be at home for a period of time where the Big Ten – correct me if I'm wrong on this, Matt. That's what – the Big Ten did something different, right? Yeah. The, the Pac-12 said, for the most part, uh, all workouts are now involuntary. Um, or on a voluntary basis, uh, players, multiple players, lots of players at Oregon and across the conference went home um, because school hasn't started or and school is quite honestly all remote anyways um, across, I think, across the Pac-12. So what that has created is, is the league has to go through an onboarding process once again for one week when they're not practicing and then they have to restart their training program. Whereas in the big 10 players for the most part stayed on campus and programs continued to hold their practice periods. What, what was legally allowed by the NCAA was that they weren't playing. And so they don't have to go through a full onboarding process. They don't have to go through a restart of their training programs. Uh, and that's a big, big component of why the big, Tw- the, the big 10, excuse me, is going to be able to play sooner than the Pac-12 because look, the Big Ten is playing October what twenty fourth, one week, you know, two weeks before the the month of October is over. Um, they'll, they'll have two Saturdays in October, the twenty fourth and the thirty first to play two games. It's it's not really out of the question. It's it's really only three weeks earlier than or four weeks earlier than the a, a potential Thanksgiving start date, which is kind of what we're, you know, projecting the Pac-12 to have right around that period, 14th, maybe the 21st, of when the Pac-12 could play football again, or maybe it's the 28th, um, under these new guidelines of testing and, 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 and timelines of, of onboarding and quarantining and, and then the six-week ramp-up period. So that's how you kind of get a, a Big Ten earlier start is – they were able to maybe chop off a couple weeks because their teams never really left home. And that's, you know, we can debate if that was the right decision or not for forever from the PAC 12. I, I have no personal issue with what they did. And because quite honestly, a lot of the athletes were being tugged, you know, physically and mentally in a whole bunch of different directions. You're going to play, you're not going to play, you're going to play, you're not going to play. And at some point it's just like, look, go home, get with your family, kind of reset yourself and you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, and, you know, come back in a couple of weeks and we'll see where things are at. Like, I, I don't have a problem with that. 
I don't really either. Um, you know, and, and because again, this this was at least the messaging for the fact that they made the decision was with the player's interest at heart. And I, I think it would have been felt kind of disingenuous to say that. And then not that they're kept captive, captive on campus, but to say, but you can't leave here and you have to stay here and all that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would feel a little bit like you're kind of saying one thing and doing another. Um, from a player personnel perspective, I think there are some interesting things to think about here. Um, Oregon obviously has had three players opt out of the season in the last 10 days or so. Um, what do you think, Matt, about the possibility of like, I know Penny Sewell is signed with an agent. We haven't heard anything, at least definitively, at least I haven't seen Thomas Graham or Diomde Lenore of them signing somewhere. Do we think there's a possibility of players being able to opt back in if this comes together? Um, or, or do we think this is based, and I know you, we don't have any answers here, but I think this is at least a discussion to, to have of, could it be that these players that communicate this decision that they, they want to focus on the pro seasons, I, I'm going to guess there's going to be some flexibility with those players unless they've signed some sort of paperwork with agencies. Don't you think, Matt? Yeah, that's going to be the question is, did, did any of the athletes, did Penny Sewell did, he signed with an agent. Has he accepted any you know, monetary advances from his agent? I don't know. Um, can he repay those back? Uh, get out of those, you know, whatever monetary, you know, advances he's, been, he's received from an agent if he has to make himself eligible to play for Oregon. I, I think if you haven't signed with an agent, it's pretty easy. Uh, right. pretty, pretty cut and dry. I'm, I'm back in. Um, if you haven't, if you have signed with an agent like Ben Sewell has, that's where it gets murky. That's where it gets difficult. I would think, and this is putting a lot of faith in, in an organization, the NCAA, that hasn't made any, <laughs> has a history of making uh, very out of the realm you know, decisions. Um, I would think, though, knowing what 2020 has been like, if Penny Sewell comes out and says, hey, I signed with an agent, I took an advance of $25,000 to pay for you know, myself for training and housing in Southern California while I got myself ready for the NFL draft or wherever, um, but I only spent 5000 of that, you know, in the first couple of weeks in my, to get myself moved and set up and everything. Here's $20,000 that was unused, and I've, I've – paying back the other $5,000 out of our own money uh, to accommodate that as well. And I'm coming back to Oregon to play. I've rescinded my you know, signing with an agent. I would think the NCAA and the right minds would come forward and be like, yeah, this is a unique situation. This is a unique year. We'll let you play. You obviously didn't gain anything, you know, by, by getting this. Um, but that's where it's, you know, we always hear like coaches say, control what you can control. And unfortunately for Penny Sewell, he now can't control because he signed with an agent, what the NCAA would deem eligible or not. So I, I think it's unlikely Sewell comes back um, if they play a fall season, if, if he wants to even come back. Uh, but Thomas Graham and Diomla Denor probably, if they haven't signed agents, they haven't publicly announced it yet. No agency has publicly announced it yet. So I would think uh, they haven't. So if either of those guys haven't signed with an agent and they want to come back, it's, it's literally that one is a literally flipping of the switch. I want to play again. And just another kind of question I have here that we don't have a direct answer to, but I think we at least need to at least pose it is where does the PAC 12 unity movement kind of factor into this? Will the players be unified in support of playing? You know, there was a list of demands that were 
uh, issued right before the season was canceled. I think that was about a week or so prior to that. Um, will they be comfortable playing if those demands aren't met or, or kind of what will the mindset of that player movement be? Because that was a huge component of that. A player like Javon Hall on Oregon's team was at the forefront of that, along with players at other universities. Um, I guess I just kind of am wondering, is this a unified thing with the players coming out in support yesterday? We mentioned earlier, Micah Pittman, Tyler Shuck, a couple others certainly seem to be in support of playing immediately. Uh, USC receiver Amal Rase Brown was, I believe, the first, at least that I saw, to communicate that. What, what, what will the impacts be of, okay, what if it's two-thirds, want to play a third doesn't, some sort of cross-section like that? How could that play into it? And, again, we don't have answers to these questions, obviously, but I think, again, this is just the things that are popping into my head when we're talking about trying to get a Pac-12 season started is that there was and still is a movement to kind of get some demands met. What if the Pac-12 is unable to meet those? I think the financial demands certainly don't are impossible, especially when you're looking at – these athletic departments taking 50 to a hundred plus million dollar uh, deficits this year without fans in the stands. Um, but I do wonder uh, kind of how that could play into things as well, because Matt, I, I'm sure you're also thinking like, well, what happens if this comes together and there's a holdout of some pretty significant players at other schools? What is that impact for the season? Yeah, that's going to be a good discussion point. And I, I have a hard time not thinking that, uh, the we the the United movement in the Pac-12 hasn't impacted at all the Pac-12 decision making because they don't want to get opened up to lawsuits, and you know, I I think I'm on Saint Ra. Uh, he he came out and and in his letter really, I think he touched on part of it. He said the United movement. Uh, they, they, it's not that they didn't want to play. They, they wanted to have certain health conditions in, in place to ensure that they were playing safe uh, football. And he felt like those are, are starting to be met and are, are closer to being all the way than where they were a month ago. And so part of me thinks it's going to be some navigating waters, but it would, it would be helpful if the United, you know, Pac-12 United movement could come out and, and at least come forward and say like, hey, we as a group recognize that the Pac-12 has enhanced this and enhanced that, and you know, we still want to see this, we still want to see that type of a of an update, because that that could help push along some of the Pac-12's you know desires to publicly come out and, and start, you know, pushing more for football. And that's exactly where I'm at. Is I think if you could, if we see something from them communicating their desire to play and some sort of goodwill with what's taken place already. And we mentioned the testing has improved. That was one of the things that they wanted to have dealt with. Um, I think a lot of those things on that list are things that the PAC 12 was already in the process of, of working on. Um, I just wonder, and I'm hopeful that we, like Matt says, we see something in the coming days or weeks, however this plays out um, that communicates, again, this is a unity movement with the players, but some sort of unity, not only between these players in the movement, but also with the conference and players outside of the movement to try to get something worked out here. Um, and obviously, it's going to be up to them. I don't want anybody to be forced and felt like they have to make a decision. But certainly, that is one of those over, kind of like those underlying kind of things to keep an eye on here, because as we've established here, it isn't simple as pushing a, a, a button and everything. There's no easy switch here. And this is going to take a lot of navigating of some kind of strange circumstances. And I think this is just one of those components you also have to be kind of aware of as the Pac-12, I think, is going to start making some steps towards playing sooner rather than later. 
good, good, and it's a good step in the right direction. The Pac-12 has more pressure on them to now play. If you're in that boat of they need to play at all costs, there's more pressure now for the league to play. We'll see if that changes anything. Um, I'm not saying it should. I'm not saying it shouldn't. I'm just saying that there's now more pressure on the Pac-12 to play. We'll see how they kind of handle that. But it's hopefully you guys have have seen that it's more than just a simple yes or no football is here to go uh, type of a deal in the Pac-12. The California Oregon governors need to provide a waiver for them to play. The league needs to wait about another week and a half, two weeks to get the daily testing kits on campus, and then they need to get trained on how to use those daily testing kits. They need to then set up the infrastructure to actually, you know, to use, execute the, the daily testing kits. Players, meanwhile, need to report back and then go through a one-week period of quarantine. And then the sixth step is, you know, Pac-12. Larry Scott has come out and said coaches have told him. Pac-12 coaches have come out and told other media members that they need about five to six weeks of practice time before games. So, you know, long story short, let's just assume today is six, you know, the September 16th, they get steps one through five done by September 25th. That means they need the 26th of September. They need October 3rd, October 10th, October 17th, October 24th, October 31st, potentially start date of November 7th at the earliest if you just go super quick through everything. Best case scenario for everything. It really feels like you know November 7th could be maybe November 14th um, could, could be that start date for when the Pac-12 resumes college football in the, the year 2020. Now they could shave some time off if they say, well, we'll take five weeks or we'll take four weeks of training instead of six that's maybe how you can get to an October 31st or an October 24th uh, start date, but that's going to take some concessions and it's going to lead to other questions, other issues that could possibly come up. So hopefully this is kind of sets the table a little bit for you. Hopefully gives you a clear timeline of when football could be back in the Pac-12. What's at stake for the Pac-12 to get there as well? What needs to happen? Hopefully that's helped you here on the Austin Audible podcast. For Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Bream. Thank you for listening to today's show. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later, folks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.